0: You have to be the face of your business. As a freelancer, whether you're a designer, developer, writer or marketer, whatever, at some point in time, the customer, the client buys from you. They could go elsewhere. They could go to anybody. I mean, freelance now is a pretty household term.
1: Welcome to Level Up Your Course, where we pull back the curtain on what it takes to create learning that transforms lives. You will hear stories from business owners like you who share their success and their struggles. This is not where you come to hear passive income myths, friend. This is where you learn the truth about building a profitable learning platform. I am your host, Janelle Allen, and this is today's episode. What's up, everyone? Today, I am joined by Jason Resnick, business coach, and email marketing specialist. He is here to share his journey and the story behind Feast, his coaching program and community for freelancers. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to chat with you too. I know we we initially connected via Twitter and I've just been checking out your stuff and really wanted to share what you're doing with the audience. But before we get ahead of ourselves. We always kick things off with the rapid five on the show. Five quick questions to help listeners get to know you. Ready? Sure. Yep. Let's do it. Number one, what did you have for breakfast?
0: Bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios.
1: (laughs) Take it it back. (laughs) That (laughs) was one of my favorites. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Number two, what is the last movie you saw?
0: Bohemian Rhapsody because my two-year-old son decided to hit the buy button when the TV (laughs) came on. So yeah, my wife and I, we watched it and, you know, it was a great movie. It wasn't one of those ones like I would have called up and been like, listen, my son hit this button. And I was just like, all right, let's just watch it one night. And so we did last week. Okay,
1: nice. I've heard good things about it. Okay. Number three, this is a very serious question. The zombie apocalypse finally hits and you have six minutes to grab three essential items. Not people. All your people are good. Three items to get you through. What do you pick?
0: All right. As a Walking Dead fan, I've actually <laughs> thought about this. <laughs> so the first thing I grab is my winter coat. Mm. The second thing I grab is a broom because you can carve that into a steak. And the third thing I grab are my skis.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: Because have you ever seen a zombie in the snow before? <laughs>
1: Well, you know, when you said your winter coat, I thought, yeah, they don't ever have winter, but it is mm-hmm. set in you know Atlanta, so. But it yeah, even but, like
0: zombie movies, you never see the snow. Right? You never so, see that. I'm headed north.
1: <laughs> the only one that kind of goes there, just as a sidebar, is um, I don't know if you've ever seen 28 Days Later. I think it's like it's yes. it's old, oh, but there, I think, in a colder climate. But yeah, okay. <laughs> now I'm gonna look for like winter themed zombie movies. It's your fault, Jason. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Number 4, what is your favorite city?
0: It's New York. I grew up here in outside of New York. I've lived in New York City. I've traveled all over the place just as my career goes, but New York's home.
1: Okay. And last one, what is the hardest lesson you have learned as an entrepreneur so far?
0: That's tough because there's so many lessons that were really hard. I guess the hardest one would probably be to know that there is tomorrow. So if you fail today, time to pick yourself up, learn from it, and then let's hit tomorrow.
1: I love it. Cool. So, yeah, that was fun. Hopefully that zombie question resonated with some people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know a few people that I've been in Slack communities that were just the walking dead. So I know there's a whole bunch of people.
1: <laughs> so, you know, let's talk about your business journey. How did you, you know, get to this place? How did you become Jason, the the business coach The you know, on Twitter, you're always sharing, you know, the questions that you're answering, but how did you get here?
0: Yeah, it was a long and windy road, but I always knew that I wanted to work for myself because I wanted that freedom and flexibility to be able to see my kids' first steps and hear their first words. I mean, that was ultimately what I wanted from my life. I didn't want to be locked in a cube. I didn't want to ask for permission to take off a day if I wanted to, those kind of things. It's just in my nature. And so started the journey really as a web developer Um, in the late 90s, early 2000s. I worked for big corporations, Fortune 50 companies, small agencies, and everything in between. And all the while, knowing that I was going to strike out on my own and do my own thing, which I did. I did twice, actually, and I failed in the early 2000s. And when I say failed, it means that I just learned a lot of lessons Mm -hmm. and I had to get another job. And so since 2010, I've been running my own business. And so how I got to where I am today is through learning how to shape my business in order to live the kind of life that I want. And so that means how to figure out how to work with the best clients I have, how to build certain systems and processes in my business. You know, I'm a solo business owner. I do everything, right? So how do you run a business like that and still grow? And well, you know, to be honest with you, live in New York. It's Outside of San Francisco, it's probably the most expensive place in the state. So it's a long and windy road. But yeah, just to be able to figure out that specialty and figure out how to build a consistent income that's predictable, that's why I'm here now. And I try to help other freelancers because I feel like if I'm able to do it, then there's no secret sauce here. It's just a lot of discipline, dedication, a little bit of hustle. But persistence, and I try to help other freelancers realize that and essentially accomplish their goals and their dreams of why they started freelancing in the first place
1: persistence that's a great word. it's so key. I think that uh, you know just taking consistent actions like that is so important. You talked about failing, which you know you reframe I love how you reframed it it's just you you learned a lot. Kind of give me a little bit of insight into what you were doing. So that when you, in the 2000s, were you doing web development? And when did you make the switch to kind of the work that you're doing now?
0: Yeah, so for one, there's not really a switch. I still do web development. Okay. That's half of my service side of the business. And the other half is a lot of email automation and behavioral marketing and that sort of stuff as, alongside the business coaching. And when I say failing, In the early 2000s, essentially, I was working for a consultant firm that was more or less a body shop for the dot-com explosion that happened. And so I only worked there for about two and a half years. The company really swelled from 600 when I started to a peak of like 2,400 employees. And by the time I was laid off, I was like like 400 people. So they basically lost their <laughs> shirt, right? When I was laid off, I was like, hey, I got a skill. People want this. So I'm just gonna do it on my own. I'm not gonna go get another job. And so in about that 18 month period, I knew that my skill set wasn't a problem, but it was understanding all the other things, the business side of things, how to market, how to sell, contracts, how to fulfill, how to onboard and offboard clients, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I had a lot to learn. So once I recognized that, I went back to work with the intention of learning all those things. And so because I knew that I was going to eventually strike out again on my own to, you know, have my own business. So anytime I, I try to look at a failure, I try to reflect on that and see, okay, well, what happened here that didn't turn out as expected? So maybe I can learn from it and change that in the future.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. The mindset that you need to have to, I think, thrive as an entrepreneur. And there are certain things that I've noticed successful entrepreneurs, or at least entrepreneurs who are able to be in it for the long haul, possess. And one of those is just how you see things, how you deal with problems. The other one that's big for me is problem solving. I just love that you touched on, you know, persistence and then seeing, okay, I have these skills and okay, I need to learn these things, approaching that. A lot of times people get discouraged when they have to go back to a job and there's no shame in that. But there's so much that you can learn as well. And that doesn't have to be the end. You can then get right back into entrepreneurship. So thank you for sharing.
0: Yeah, I think that's important though because I have introverted tendencies. People always say like, how are you an introvert? You have podcasts and you (laughs) talk at events and like, but I have introverted tendencies. When I'm seen live, I'd much rather be in the hotel room by myself, right? But when you fall down, there's that opportunity to then pick yourself back up, learn from it, and then move forward from that. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you did anything wrong. It's just things didn't turn out as expected. So if you want them to turn out as expected, what do you have to do differently next time?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. What can you learn from the experience? And and even if you did do something wrong, what was that thing? And how can you do it better the next time? So definitely relate to that. Also, I am also an introvert. Same thing. I get the same thing. You you do? You have a podcast? You talk- You're a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> I am. But you know what? It's funny because we'll just take a sidebar. I have this conversation with my dad. And I said, you know, I was like, Dad, there's nothing wrong with being an introvert. Cause He kind of has a negative connotation of being an introvert, even though he's one. So I said to me, being an introvert just means that you get your energy from spending time alone. That's me all day. You know, I can be around people, but then to recharge, I've got I'm just like you. If I'm at a conference, I had to stop going to conferences because I would just go off and explore and end up back in my hotel room. So. <laughs> Totally relate. Totally relate. All right. So let's talk about Feast. Who is it for and what problem does it solve?
0: Sure. Feast is for the freelancer that's been in it for a little while, maybe five plus years or so, maybe three to five years is also a good time period as well. But you've been in it for a little while and you've kind of gotten over that hurdle where you are excited about projects, you have projects, you made the jump from full time to freelance. And that euphoria and that honeymoon period is over. And you wonder why you're kind of stuck in this wheel of always having to chase the next project. And what Feast is all about is, is helping those kind of people specialize their business and build recurring revenue. And when I say recurring revenue, a lot of people think that it's a SaaS business or something that you charge $100 a month for or you know, maintenance of websites. What I mean by recurring revenue is just predictable. Mm -hmm. How do you figure out your business and who you serve and the solution that you provide so that you can go market to those people and know that you have a pipeline of potential leads and potential clients that you can always market to? And so if you're stuck in that little hamster wheel where you wonder, hey, I started this business because I wanted to spend time with my family, but I'm working 15 hours a day. Where did I... Make the right when I should have made the left, and so that's what feast is all about to help those folks.
1: Got it, okay, so what was your motivation for creating this program? I'm, I'm curious, you know, were you getting a lot of the same questions? What was it that kind of incited you to create this program or planted the seed in your idea?
0: Yeah, the first thought that I would even do anything like this would was I wish there was something that I could have been involved with whether it was a community or some other aspect when I was going through this process. And Feast is essentially the the frameworks that I implement in Feast is, is essentially what I did. Mm-hmm. It's just I reflected back and tried to formalize it in a way that is digestible and you can kind of work through it. And so there was a lot of hallway talks in meetups and conferences and people were asking me all sorts of questions around how do you charge what you charge per month and live in New York. And at that time, I was doing a lot of WordPress development. And as I mentioned before, a lot of people think of recurring revenue in the mindset of maintenance. And at that time, it was basically WordPress. It was WP Curve and a couple of other ones out there that were sub $100 a month. And I was charging two, three grand. Yeah, And so people were asking me a lot of questions about that. And so I was like, okay, well, there's a way like, Once I started answering the questions, people were like, oh, okay, so you're not doing WordPress maintenance. You're helping their business grow and you're doing other things. And exactly right. That's what my services page says, right? There's nothing about maintenance on there. And so I started getting asked all these questions and answering. And I was like, there's got to be a way I can kind of piece all of this together to help other folks do this. And then the final tipping point was when we were coming home from the hospital with my son. I, I turned to my wife and I said, so now what do I do? And she looked at me and it's so like, I look back on it now and it's like, she's probably thinking, I just had a child. What do you mean, <laughs> What do you do? Like, right? Like there's
1: a long list of things you're going to be doing. <laughs> right?
0: Like, what are you talking about? But I was thinking at the time, like I just accomplished what my goal was. Like my goal was to build a business so that I could be home and I'm home today and yeah. I'm home now. And so. I said, if I reached my goal, then I can help other people do the same thing. There's no reason that anybody can't do this. And that was kind of the, hey, let's plant the flag in this thing and and try to help as many other freelancers reach their goals as well.
1: Gotcha. What time period are we talking here? Well, you said your sense too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I really put forth uh, an effort in Feast really at the start. It's about a year. So Mm -hmm. December of 2017.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. So what did the early days of Feast look like? You know, I know with a lot of course creators, myself included, sometimes you run a pilot or a beta until you feel like the program hits a a stride and you really get everything honed in. So what did it look like early days for you?
0: Sure, so the genesis of it was a paid webinar. It was a a paid workshop, a two-day workshop that I ran. And I did that because... Prior to Feast, I had tried to build a product that launched to crickets. So I didn't want to build anything that yeah. nobody was ready for, it. even if they said that they were. I wanted to actually see somebody say, I'm willing to invest in this thing. And so I just sent out an email to my list and I said, hey, look, I'm running this two-day workshop and it costs, I think it was like 200 or 250 And I ran it and I said, if I could get 10 people into this thing, then it's good enough for me to actually start building this thing. Yeah. And so I ran that and I got 10 people. I think there was actually 11. And I got them in. We ran the two-day workshop. It was two hours each day. And it was over Zoom. like It wasn't an in-person workshop or anything like that. And what I got out of that was what I intentionally ran was the first two modules of Feast. Yeah, And what I got out of that was a ton of feedback, a ton of testimonials, a ton of language that it wasn't mine, it was theirs. And my sales page was essentially built from that. And so that's how it worked early. And I just said, look, you guys are my founding members, so to speak. So you'll just be grandfathered in for life. As long as Feast is here, you guys get all the benefits of that.
1: I love it. Yeah. You know, because So often new course creators, even if they have a a successful, profitable business or, you know, or if they're just getting started, but they think that they have to create this huge castle, right? You just got to build everything. And I love that you started simple. You know, you started with the webinar, you validated that there was demand that people would pay money for what you were creating. And then, like you said, afterwards, you got All of these testimonials and and your your sales page is basically built and you have a thriving community of people so that when you build it out and people join the community, there's already some engaged participants there.
0: Yep, exactly right. And I didn't think about the actual sales page, like side effect of it. It was just, I wanted to hear the language and that was based off of me figuring out my services too and how to speak to leads. I wanted to hear the words that they use, the problems that, how they form their problems and just really get as much feedback as possible.
1: Yeah, definitely. Cool. So what is the program goal? In other words, what should participants, learners be able to do or accomplish after going through the module?
0: At a basic level, they should be able to craft a services page and be able to send that services page out to Leads, clients, and say, "Here, this is what I help can help you solve. This is the problem that I can help you solve, and this is how much it costs."
1: Yeah. Okay. So, speaking of the modules, can you walk us through the program structure at a high level? What's included? Sure.
0: And I've heard this of your guests before. Is like a lot of it is mindset. It's like getting mm-hmm. out of your own way. Yep. So there's a couple of modules in there that kind of talk about that, and it runs you through essentially a framework that I ran myself through. When I was struggling the second time, it was, this was in like 2012 ish when I was like, okay, I got to figure out what I'm doing in my business wrong. And I was really reflecting on kind of who I was working with, who I didn't want to work with, the kinds of projects that I wanted to work on. It's basically a four quadrants kind of exercise mm-hmm. that you spend a good hour of deep thinking on and really come out of the end of that with. A list of red flags to watch out for clients and a list of really, if you read between the lines, your new client. These are the clients that you go after. These are the types of projects that you go after because these are the clients of solutions that you provide. And that's the first couple of modules. And then after that, it's all about how you go get those projects. So setting up some of the systems in your business in order to do that, how to market them, how to, you know, figure out your price, which is a big issue with a lot of freelancers, especially developers and designers, because you tend to look at your colleagues for that. Like, oh, I should be charging $100 an hour or $150 an hour when you really should be looking at your client. Yeah. What's the ROI on the client getting from your work, right? So I teach a lot about how to price anchor yourself to the ROI of the client. And then at the end, there's a, I mean, there's a ton of boring stuff in there about documentation and tracking your time so that you know what you can automate and what you can't and what you may have to offload, things like that. And there's a monthly roundup call that we go through where anybody in the community can just hop on. We could, we can hash things out. We could talk about client scenarios. We have a topic of the month kind of thing. And it's really a matter of the people that are inside there are all looking to do the same thing. And I kind of like curate the people that come in there Mm -hmm. because I want that community to not only, I don't want to say drive, but I want them to be able to help each other. Yeah. Right? Because if one person's a couple steps ahead, well, they can give examples outside of myself. Yeah. And they can help in that way. And so once they start to do that, you know, the, the community in and of itself has its own kind of like heartbeat going. And so I try to curate those people. Sure, there's some people that come in there that are brand new. And I I even say to them, look, this isn't for you. You're not going to get a client tomorrow out of this. 50%, even maybe more, I see them pop in. I'm like, oh, geez. (laughs) I know you're going to churn out because it's not going to be what you want, right? Yeah. But the community aspect of it, it's a Slack channel where we basically, you know, are in there each and every single day having conversations, helping out people. And this morning we were helping somebody out with their contract because their client was a lawyer or something like that and was picking apart these individual clauses and things like that. I was like, oh boy, I'm like, you better, you better bring your lawyer into this conversation <laughs> or just pass on the project. You know, it's a community that's really around Like I said, how do we get to where we want to go? What do we want to accomplish? Like, why did you start your business in the first place? And a lot of times people lose sight of that. And if you keep that in mind, all your decisions that you make on an everyday basis will get you there. Because Mm. if you just pit that, like for me, it's spending time with my family. So if I am on the fence about something, usually that provides some clarity in that.
1: It's really good to have a community or you know, a mastermind group or some type of support, some type of uh, group of people who make you think about where you want to go and keep sight of that and and also why you're doing what you're doing. I love that you've talked about curating who who joins your community. One of the questions that I get all the time is, how can I increase engagement? And, you know, when it comes to having a community as part of your program, it's super helpful to have people who are in, di- you know, at different levels. Sometimes we shy away from that. But I think what you said is spot on. You can then begin to, because the the goal, if you're the person creating the program, you don't want everything to be coming from you, right? You, you know, that's a lot on you and it kind of defeats the purpose. And also then you you kind of, the community will become just super quiet unless you are initiating something. Right. So if you can get other people to be helping each other and sharing and um, and just collaborating, engaging, that is one of the, the best aspects of any type of program, whether it's a self-based course or a coaching program, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, 100%. What I'm actually implementing currently, and this is new, this isn't the, I guess, the the past people, even though I've already talked to them about it, but What I'm implementing now is as soon as you join Feast, there's a lot in Feast. And sometimes, yes, there's like, here, this is module one, this is module two. But where you're at in your business and what you're struggling with at this point in time, even if you are an ideal person to be inside a Feast, a lot of times I want to have that conversation initially. Let's have a half hour conversation. I can create a syllabus for you because I know exactly where you're at. And what's inside a feast, so that you don't waste time looking at things like, oh, okay, yeah, this is—I already know this stuff. Well, I've already figured out my specialty already. I just want to try to figure out how I build recurring revenue or that consistent pipeline of people. You know, those kind of things. I don't want them to spend an hour in module one and not get anything out of it if they've already gone through that themselves, right? So, what I've implemented is kind of like. I'm your guidance counselor. So as soon as you buy in, we're going to have a half hour conversation and I'm going to essentially build out a syllabus for you.
1: Yeah, it's like going to college where you have your advisor, you know, and you sit down and map out what your journey through college, what classes you should take, what are you focused on and how to get where you want to go. I love that. It's very very personalized. And I'm sure there's a a huge value to people that go through it. Because oftentimes, you know, especially when we talk about self-paced courses, everyone is traveling down the same path. And when you have coaching programs, it's that's one of the best things about coaching programs, in my opinion, is you have that human interaction. So you can make recommendations for people, which is really powerful. So you call it a roadmap. Speaking of kind of Taking that motif, where do people get stuck along the road and how do you support them?
0: Most often, I see people stuck when I encourage them to, one, inject a little personality in the, their business, mm-hmm. and two, you have to be the face of your business as a freelancer, whether you're a designer, developer, a writer, or marketer, or whatever. At some point in time, the customer, the client buys from you, yeah, they could go elsewhere. they could go to anybody I mean freelance now is a pretty household term, right, Like when I started freelancing, you know fifteen plus years ago, like people were like, "Oh boy, are you <laughs> sure you want to do that?" and there are people that don't want to be the face, they don't want to get on podcasts, they don't want to put themselves out there where they feel vulnerable, right, and it could be just even writing blog posts or be on social media or or anything of that nature. And people do get stuck there. And what I try to do is I try to encourage them to say, look, just because you hear me or anybody else on podcasts or see somebody on YouTube, I don't do YouTube, or write blog posts, doesn't mean that that's something that you have to do. Find what your medium is, but you have to be out there. You have to be where your customers are going to be. Otherwise, You're just going to be sitting in your house and not going to get any business. Yeah, that's where the hard hustle, the persistence, that's where all of that stuff exists. And you kind of have to figure out your way through that in some way. And I try to encourage them in any way to get over that imposter syndrome because they are the expert. Their clients are hiring them because their clients don't know about the stuff. So that's your skill set. It would be like as if you got a full-time job. They hired you because they have a need and you have a skill to fulfill that need.
1: You know, it's what you said earlier, just that mindset piece. I was nodding my head when you were talking because I literally get a question similar to what you described about what type of content should I be creating? What, What marketing channel should I be using? And like you said at the end of the day there's so many options you have to figure out what resonates with you and your audience but the most important thing is you have to be doing something you have to take action and you know there's a lot of people who when you really boil it down that's the struggle it's not which one it's are you taking action are you consistently moving in the direction and and creating
0: yeah, 100%. And when I get those questions, I say, well, what was the last question that a client asked you? Because that's a blog post. Yeah. Because if the client's asking you, then leads are going to ask the same question. And so I said, look in your email, look at yep. look at your you know phone conversation or whatever that you have with your clients or leads. Note what questions you're being asked of. And that's what you turn around into podcasts like myself. I have a daily podcast where all I do is answer a question. Yep. Write a blog post, you know, because that's what people are searching for. They're searching by forming a question into Google. And if you have the answers, put it out there.
1: Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I always recommend people to have an email list, because one of the best and easiest things you can do is, you know, have a welcome email that goes out and ask people, you know, what are your challenges right now? How can I help? What are you dealing with? And for me, when I first started, that gave me so much content. I mean, even to this day, I still get questions. So that's right on point. You know, people struggle with what to create. And it's just looking at it from a different angle and saying, okay, what questions are people asking me all the time? Yep. Yep. Cool. Talks about where people get stuck and how you support them in that. Are there any final insights that you have when it comes to, uh, with just what you learned about creating this program that you want to share?
0: For me anyway, and how I'm wired, be genuine. Like if I'm running that community and, you know, I'm looked at as the leader of that space, and I said leader with air quotes there, (laughs) you have to be honest and genuine, not Just with yourself, but with them as well. So I try not to sugarcoat things. I mean, that's just my way of things. Could be the New Yorker in me. I don't know. Yeah. But (laughs) I tend not to sugarcoat things. Even like I said earlier, is that, you know, like I have a little chat widget on my website and I get pinged like, hey, is Feast going to help me? And then I dig in a little bit. And then I tell them yes or no. And then even when I say no, people buy in. I said, why'd you buy in? I told you not to buy. There's no, (laughs) you're not going to get what you want out of this thing. They're like, well, you were so honest with me that I want to know what's back here.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) But to be honest, and when I say that is, is that I still do everything this day, what I teach, right? So there are a lot of folks out there that build courses, and then they just work on the course. And some of the strategies and tactics, and especially in the service industry, change so frequently and so fast that what I did for marketing for freelance you know, three and five years ago is not going to work today. And what I'm doing today is not going to work a year or two from now. And for me to essentially give advice and help folks get to where they want to get to I still feel that I have to be a part of that community doing the actual work. So that for me is what I always strive to. I enjoy doing the services work anyway. So it's just, it's natural in that way. But for me, as far as the community, the coaching platform and everything else goes, if I'm helping somebody, I want to make sure that quote unquote dog fooding it as well.
1: Yeah. So before we get into the final three questions, what you said there just made me think of something else to ask. I always love talking with people who are running a solo business because we have a lot of people out there who struggle and feel as if there's no time to do, you know, to do everything they want to achieve. How do you manage, you know, you have services that you offer, you have this program and you have a family. How do you manage it all?
0: A lot of structured time. Yeah. <laughs> For me it's I know where my energy levels are on any given day. So I know when I wake up in the morning, I wake up around 5.30. So that's before my son and wife wake up. Mm -hmm. So I know I could get a few hours of deep work in without any distractions in the house. And I lay out my week every Sunday morning when I'm having my cup of coffee. And I know what tasks I need to work on, what's important for the week. But I always have to hit essentially feast every single day. Yeah, Like there is a time block in my schedule every single day that feast gets attention because that for me is, that's my passion. That's who I enjoy helping the most. And that's where my good days happen. So I want to pay attention to that as much as possible. And that's, what's important. A good friend of mine, Curtis McHale said to me one time, he's like, look, time isn't like change. You're not going to find it in the couch cushions. You just have to make time for that. And so For me, it's all about time management and what's important. And if it's not so important to me, I find that I push that off. So if I keep pushing it off, that task or whatever it is that I want to do, maybe it's just not as important right now and I just let it go.
1: Yeah, definitely. Prioritization is, I think, key, especially if you're solo. One of my favorite exercises, which it can be jarring for people when I say this, is I, whenever someone is constantly telling me, I don't have time, I don't have time. I'm like, okay, let's reframe that. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, I don't have time, say it's not a priority. Every time you want to say that, say, and it just like, it shocks them when they start realizing what they're prioritizing and what they're not prioritizing.
0: Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. What are you spending your time
1: on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Everybody has the same number of hours in a day. So, it's what's important to you, like yeah. like you said, priority.
1: And also, if you are getting to a point where you're at bandwidth, well, then now it's time maybe to find a you know a VA or someone to help out. There are other ways that you can leverage time, but it, it's just about that mindset shift.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I don't like post production on podcasts. Like Live in the Feast is a longer form podcast, right? Ask Res is five minutes. I pull up the microphone, I push, you know, I record and I push publish. There's no editing. There's nothing on there. But Living the Feast is a longer form podcast. I realized how much time I was putting into all the editing and all the show notes and all this and that and the other. And I was like, oh, I just don't want to do this. I'd much rather spend that time doing the podcast. So I found somebody to handle all that for me. That's really my only contractor that I have because that is something that isn't a priority for me. Yeah not best use of my time. So I went and found somebody that can do that stuff.
1: I empathize. Those those late nights of editing oh, your... P- <laughs> no, thank you.
0: No, thank you.
1: I feel you. All right. <laughs> we are down to the final three questions, Jason. First one is easy. What is next for you? Anything exciting coming up?
0: Yeah, I do one-on-one coaching as well. But what I'm going to do is group coaching. So this year for me is really structuring that out and launching that in this quarter, Q1, to help those folks that may be in between Feast and one-on-one coaching. Because I get a lot of inquiries about one-on-one coaching and maybe it's out of reach for them or they don't have the dedicated time. But for what it is, is the group coaching allows me to help four or five people at a time where They're all similar. They're all very much in the same place. And hopefully as a group, we can overcome those problems. And so I'm really excited for that because I've gotten a bunch of inquiries about it and I've, I've never pulled the trigger on it, but this quarter I will be.
1: Nice. Cool. Well, I can't wait to hear about it and share it as well so people can get up with you. Okay. So where can people find out more about you and your work?
0: Sure. Twitter works at res with three Z's, or you can head over to res.com. That's also with three Z's. And if you're interested in hearing a little bit more, opt into my newsletter. In exchange, I'll give you a, a sequence that essentially helps you find the best clients and get those clients. I interact with my email list more so than anything else so that's where i would learn out loud that's where i give my best tips and or i shouldn't say it's exclusively there my best tips but that's where i share it with them first so if you want to be first to hear about this stuff that's the best place to be
1: got it all right last question what's your why why do you get up and do this work every day
0: yeah i'm pretty sure you could probably figure that out but it's <laughs> yeah it's to spend time with my family You know, to be able to take off a random Tuesday afternoon because it's sunny out and go outside and enjoy life and just have that time, freedom and flexibility.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, Jason, thank you so much for sharing. I can't wait to to just share this with my audience. And there's just so many insights, especially for freelancers. I can tell that this is going to be a popular one. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: So really quickly, if you are listening to this interview and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I've got questions. I have challenges. I'm a freelancer. I don't know whether or not I should, how to price or how to run my business or whether I should be the face of my business. What systems and processes should I use? If you just have tons of questions, Jason and I recorded a bonus segment to help you get some clarity there. So check that out. You can find it very easily just by going to get.zencourses.co slash extra. Once again, that is get.zencourses.co slash extra. And you will get access. Once you opt in, you will get a link to listen to the bonus segment and get answers to those pressing questions. All right, my friends, that is my time. Remember, before you can level up your course, you must first level up your mind. As always, thank you for hanging out with me for another great episode. I do not take it for granted. I am Janelle Allen, and this has been Level Up Your Course. Peace.